Welcome to 30 Minutes to Wealth, the show that teaches you how to build wealth through real estate. Our company, ProFunds Mortgages, has assisted real estate investors in achieving wealth for over two decades. Over the next 30 minutes, we're going to share some of our key strategies in real estate with you. Right here on 30 Minutes to Wealth. Hi, I'm Carmen, and this is Jordan. Welcome to 30 Minutes to Wealth, the show that teaches you how to build wealth through real estate. Today on the show, we're so excited to be able to show you how you can create value in real estate. This is something very near and dear to my heart, very passionate about it, and it's going to be an example of how I purchased something and created wealth through this property. It's such an exciting episode. We're going to have a guest speaker come on. It's Andrew Hines. He's a builder. He's a developer. He's an investor, and he's brilliant. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jordan. This is Carmen, and we're here with our guest today, Andrew Hines. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. And welcome back to 30 Minutes to Wealth. So keeping up with the topic of our episode today, creating value in real estate. Andrew, why don't you give us a little bit of information on your background in real estate? Uh, well, it all started in uh, about 2010, 2011 for me. I bought my first property. I started investing in uh, family rentals, so I didn't have a whole lot of down payment at that point. So um, the first one I got, I was able to get with 5% down. Um, and then after that, I had to do it the more traditional way. Um, further into my investing career, I started getting into a little bit of uh, development. I, I tried to build a duplex on a property that used to be a single family. That one didn't work out. I remember that one. Yeah, that one wasn't the most <laughs> the fun. Perseverance. Yeah, right? I had perseverance. Right. Not everything worked perfectly as planned, but that's that's part of the game. Um, yeah. And then going forward in the last few years, I really started to get into adding value to student rentals. So I'd buy them, uh, do significant renovations. And, and in doing that, I, I really helped myself to... Uh, basically build equity. So I was really able to build net worth doing that. Um, I'd go in, I'd do some rentals, refinance them, and then do it all over again. So I was able to recycle and reuse money and, and add more properties to my portfolio. So that's what I've been doing since. Since then, I've gotten into building. Didn't expect to. I kind of just, you know, you're renovating properties. But you're not just building a single yeah. family home. You're building multi-units, right? Yes, yes. So yeah, it started with, you know, single family home renovations, building additions, and and then I got into, you know, full new construction, townhouses and, and things like that. So um, heavily into the trades now and, and managing trades. And uh, that that's the uh, short story, I suppose. Wow, that's wow. amazing. You've done you've a, lot. a lot. Yeah, you've been involved in a lot so far. Well, today we, we're going to cover a really interesting case study on an example that Carmen actually did herself and how she found a property and was able to create value there. And in doing so, we're kind of going to cover five main points that you as an investor should be aware of when wanting to create or find value in real estate. Andrew, you're going to assist also with that and uh, bring to light some of the things that you've done as well in a similar capacity. Yeah, yeah this is a really exciting episode. I love and, it. Um, Can't wait to so, tell everybody. Yes, yeah, we were talking about this one and uh, I was I was really excited to ask Carmen the questions because Carmen has been a mentor to me for uh, the better part of seven, eight years now. And just watching the deals that she's done, mm -hmm. uh, how much she's been able to create and value in properties. And we're not talking, you know, $50,000. Uh, sometimes it's up over a million. Uh, and today's example is, and 
you know, I, I, Carmen, I know you didn't start there, right? Mm-hmm. And and I just want to take this this moment to just ask you some questions because these are genuinely the questions I have and I'd like to know more. Okay. And I'm sure, sure. other people would too. I'm happy to yeah. share. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and specifically this, yeah. this specific property is yeah. the best. So this, this is such a good story. Well, why don't we just, before before we get there, where did you start? Because you didn't start doing multi-million dollar deals. What no. was your What was your first deal and, and how did it start? Well, my first property was what, when I purchased when I was 18. And it was a, a duplex. I lived on the main level and rented out the upstairs so that I didn't have to pay my mortgage. Okay. Right? So that was my first one. And then it started rolling. And then I bought myself a single family home and I flipped that one and then I got into another single family home. So I was finding deals and then I would just sell it within six to eight months later and make money on them when I was making $100,000 a house. And this was huge for me because I was really young, right? So I was like, wow, I got the bug in a serious way. Oh. And and that was it. That was the end of the story there. And I just kept going. So then I got into buildings, apartment buildings, and now we're into development. And mm-hmm. it's so exciting every step of the way. There's always some. You're always going to learn something in this business. So that that brought us all the way forward to today's deal, mm-hmm. which. Uh, you know, why don't you you give me the the summary? What is this deal? What is the one that you well, did? Well, um, I'll, I'll make it as quick as I can because we only have thirty minutes. I could spend an hour talking about this property, but um, I moved to Burlington when I was eighteen, Burlington, Ontario, and I was driving by this house every so often, and I would just admire how interesting this was. It was such such a character, and it was a little tiny cottage on this big lot on the water. And then one day. Last year, I drove by and I went, whoa, it's for sale. So I ran home, called the realtor, the listing agent. So I, I tied up this property for $2.5 million, and it was on a monster lot on the lake. Okay. So this little cottage on the lake and then this huge property. So it was just amazing opportunity so, for me. So um, when you saw that, how did you know that this was a deal you could make money in? Well, I, I looked around the area. It is Lakeshore. The area in Burlington, Ontario is thriving. The property prices have been going up every year. It's been 18%, 18%, 18%, you know, mm-hmm. and even when there's a slump, it's still going. Um, it's, it's GTA and it's a very desirable place to live for people. Okay. So that was the number one. Number two, I've always loved this property. And number three, across the street, there's a, another house, exactly the same structure. And someone bought that and severed off a couple of lots. So was that your plan when you went in to yeah. sever lots? Yeah, my first my first objective there was, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And the people that sold the house actually left all the furniture in there. And it's, I'm an antique buff. Like I love historical and antique mm-hmm. things. So I went in there, I was like, heaven on earth, right? It was just so many really neat things in there. And that kind of comes down to one of the main tactics that we want to talk about today is making sure that you have that plan before getting started in real estate. Absolutely. Have a vision for it, know what you can do with it, and, you know, make sure that's executed. It can't be emotional, right? I'm not just buying this because I am emotional. On a whim because, Oh my gosh, I love it. I got to have it. So your vision was that you were going to sever lots and you were going to sell those lots? Was that the plan? Well, I I, originally when I saw it, I knew something was going to happen. There are either townhouses, single family lots. Um, what can I do? And so ultimately that was the first, first look. And then what I was going to do is keep the house. And because of the fact that it was a heritage home, um, I was, I'm going to keep it, just renovate it and do an Airbnb. Okay. So 
you know, I think this is a really critical question and it was one of the ones that, because I remember when you found this project, yes. uh, asking you, hey, Carmen, how much money do you think you can make from doing this deal? And at the time, I think you had a figure in mind yeah. and I know that that figure's changed. So why don't you just tell me, and we'll tell everyone. Yeah. What did you think it was going to be? Well, and what, I thought, do, you, what I thought, do you think now? I thought there was a couple of million dollars, two million okay. upside on this deal. Okay. So I paid 2.5 million. Okay. Okay. And you know, what it, what allowed me, and I'll go back to what I, what it will be. And I'll tell you that in a minute, but the reason why I was allowed to, or able to actually get this property and move on it quickly was because I used private money to close. Okay. And that's such a, a key component. Yeah, to, that's the other key component, right? Yeah. Being competitive with your offer. And, you know, that entails the, the private money on the back end, yeah. having that flexibility. And not so many conditions in my offer. So I was, I limited the conditions. I had a quick closing date okay. and I used private money to close. Um, and when you say private money, uh, just because I know this was a new concept to me when I first met you, um, what, what do you mean by private money? Well, it was, uh, I, I received the funds from private lenders. So we do private mortgages all the time okay. now. And that's what I was, I was saying earlier that loyalty is a very important key part in any business relationship. And if you're loyal to a broker and they have private money, you, you can get money fast because they know you, they have a track record, they know your history. You, that's your buying power. Right. So, right? so when you say private money, it, it could be someone like me who wants to renovate and flip a house. And, you know, maybe Jordan would be so kind as to lend me the money to do that. That's right. Um, now, were these secured as, as mortgages yes, on your property? Yes, it was a mortgage. So okay. uh, basically the house appraised um, higher than what I paid, but I also allowed for additional security on other other real estate I own. So Jordan was the one that raised the capital on this for me, but we, we secured the mortgage on the subject property, which was the one I'm buying. And my down payment came from another property. So really I didn't have any of my own money in. So in other words, you, you didn't put cash, but you did put equity in. You had other properties that had value. Yes. And, and as far as a, you know, a lender, Hey, if you're willing to give me the money and I can make $2 million, well, by all means, you can, you know, you can secure a mortgage on my house as well as the property I'm buying. And what's the exit strategy here? Are you going to be paying off those loans or? All in all, um, it depends on my exit and what I plan. If I sell the lot, so I'll sell them each for about 1.2 million. Okay. Um, and, or I could build and okay. I could increase my profits by probably another three, 400,000 a house. So wow. depends, but you know what? You build, there's more risk. You got to sell. So I may just exit now at this point. Okay. And, um, and probably make around, I'd say three and a half million on this. Wow. Okay. Four, four. So the plan is take that money, pay off the cottage. Okay. That's private money right now. So I'm paying expensive interest rates on that, yeah. but, but it was worth it. Who cares? How much money, you know, so we're talking about four, four million dollars, uh, you're going to make. Uh, how much money do you figure by the end of it you'll have paid in, you know, say broker fees, interest, lawyer fees, all that stuff? Ooh. Well, um, Jordan helped me structure this deal with the financing. So I think we're paying mm, about, I'd say around 13 or 14 percent interest on this. 13 or 14. And, and it's been a year now. So uh, the clock is ticking. It's going to take me probably a few more months to get finished here. So, but you know what, for me, I knew, I don't care if I can get that property and go on, on a really good offer and be really aggressive on the offer where I'm not having hundreds of conditions, Right. then I'm going to do this. And the cost of 15%, even if it was 20%, right. do the math, right? What's it going to cost? Maybe a hundred 
150, 200,000, 300,000. Right. Yeah. What's the difference at well, that point? You ask nine out of 10 people, hey, would you spend 500,000 to make 4 million? I think most of them would say yes, yes. Uh, unless they're, uh, they're a little yeah. bit uh, off in the head. But well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, people are afraid. There's yeah. risk, right? And then people are afraid. And that's the fear is what cripples okay. most, most people when they want to get involved in an investment. So, you know, we were talking just during the break about this. Um, you know, why was it that you got this? And, I, and we, we sort of touched on it, but why was it that you got this? Was, do you think it was that some other people were afraid? Because, I mean, if, if $4 million was on the table and I knew about it, I'd be all over it uh, well, you know, yeah. trying to take that deal. I think the fact that that house was a heritage designation scared a lot of people off. And what does that mean, heritage designation? Well, it's it's basically designated heritage. So it's one of the oldest properties in Burlington on the waterfront. So it has a heritage designation. So you really can't do anything with the facade. It has to stay within what they're allowing. So a lot of people, if they wanted to buy that house for owning it and, and tearing it down and building a new one, you can't do that. You can't, so you right? can't take a so this was not, house. Yeah, this was not just for anybody. Plus, I didn't give anyone any time to get into that deal. Okay. That house was listed. I saw it. I ran home. I didn't care what other appointments I had. Right. <laughs> I put in the offer. It was very clean. So you acted and that's fast. Why. And when you say clean, I think this is a really important thing because this is something I learned from you. Uh, you know, a clean offer. How do you make your offer competitive so that your offer gets accepted even if maybe somebody else doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, what is a clean offer in your mind? Well, in my mind, I limit the conditions. In some cases, I just go in firm. So a condition just to, to, to so take a con- step back. Yeah, condition would be a financing. Like you'll have a financing clause in your contract um, and it'll be for a period of time. <clears throat> and if you get your financing, you waive that condition. There could be building inspections. There could be uh, all kinds of con- conditions that are put into an offer. But for me, I'm confident I know I can get the money. Okay. So that's not a concern. So I just put in one clause. And what was your clause? And, and the one clause was, I just needed five banking days to inspect the property, and that would be it. So, so if they see that come in, and they have you know another offer, maybe it's even for more money than yours, but it says uh, you know, ten days for for financing with the bank, ten days for uh, you know uh, an inspection for I don't know well, asbestos or hey, whatever else they might house, want to. If yeah. you're selling your house, wouldn't you accept an offer that has just one condition and? Perhaps yeah. full asking price? Absolutely. Over the guy that's loaded up his offer, yeah. it's going to take forever to go through. Well, I could say anytime I'm selling a house, I, I want to know the person's serious. Yeah. You know, that's my number one thing. And I think that, you know, when you use private money, uh, it shows a whole new level of understanding of the game, understanding of how this business works. Because the people who, who make the most in this industry, from what I've seen, are the people who are using the private money. Now, again, you don't want to be reckless on your offer. And, yeah. you know, you're just yeah. the conservative yeah. one. She's, she's the one that tames the savage beast here. Okay. <laughs> no, it just, it's important to, to create it. You know, you had that yeah. safety net in case you, know, you needed to back out, but it's important not to go right. firm with all of your offers. And then, you know, you get yourself into a, a bit of a, yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause then I've seen how many times have we seen people coming mm-hmm. to us? freaking out because yeah. they firmed up on their deal and they don't have financing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, yeah. it's nice to have the, um, the private money as kind of your backing. So it gives you that power to come in, be a lot more aggressive with your offers because you mm-hmm. know, you have that flexibility behind you. And I think that's what yeah. really makes it being competitive is right. having that. It's your buying power. access. Right. To that that's money. what I call it. And it's also short term. It's not, it's not a long term plan. You don't hold on to that money for right. a long time because the clock's ticking and it's yeah. expensive. So well, you yeah. go in, you do what you have to do, and then you refinance, take it out with the bank, sell, whatever your plan is. And I think that kind of 
of goes into the point. Another one of our main points is don't sweat the small stuff. So, you know, you're willing yeah. to go in, spend that extra money for a shorter period of, t- of time, knowing that it's going to yeah. enable you to do what you need to do, acquire yeah. that property. Um, yeah. And then at the end of the day, you're, you're going to refinance or you're going to look towards that exit and, and pay out that more expensive money. But you, although you're paying more at the beginning, you know, it, it's worth it it's to, to see what it. you've acquired at but the end so, of the day. It's so surprising how many people they hear... <gasps> 10%? I'm not paying that. No, there's no way. way. No yeah. way. And I'm yeah. like, okay, yeah. fine. I, paid, <laughs> I think I paid 18% on, on one deal. You yeah. offered more because you felt guilty because you knew how much money you were going to make. It wasn't so much. It was knowing that I, I didn't want to wait around for us to find a lender. I wanted to know it was a done deal. Yeah. So I just said, hey, you know what? If you need to give them this to make it get done really quick. Let's do that because I knew timing was of the essence. I was yeah. up against other offers. I, I I had realtors saying, "Well, we've got another offer, but we want to work with you." You know, playing games, yeah. right? And so, you know, a couple of percentage yeah. points or yeah. a couple of thousand dollars in the grand scheme yeah. of things to you know what yeah. you the profit at the end of the day. It's just it's yeah. It just makes sense. He right? got out really quickly, yeah. right? You yeah. you were in and out of that deal and you made your money. So it was worth paying that interest rate. Yeah, I find with private money, I never bank on it as a long-term strategy unless I'm able to work a sweet deal and get a really low rate. But uh, usually it's a value-add strategy. And that's, the, you know, that's today's topic, right? We're talking about value-add in real estate. And, you know, you had a strategy and then obviously down the road, you're not going to be uh, financing this privately. You're going to go with the bank and you yes. know, take that 3 Long-term, money. yes. I did want to ask, so Jordan, you're the expert on this. How would you say, so somebody at home watching, obviously they're not going to start with a $3 million deal. Well, they might, but probably not. How does, you know, John Smith at home who wants to uh, buy his first, you know, fixer upper or add value to real estate, how could he use private money? Uh, to do one of these. Things. I mean, there's so many ways that they're able to to utilize private money to do so. I mean, especially in the case of both of your scenarios, if you have additional collateral real estate, you know, we can we can basically do a blanket mortgage, which means we're going to be securing the the new property that you want to buy with other existing real estate, and by doing so, we can we can um, fund the whole. Yeah, amount. we're able to fund more money to you so that you can complete those renovations. You can buy that property Your down payment and. It offers more security for the investor, the person who's coming in and lending those funds to you. So it's kind of a win-win solution on both ends. It is. So, so um, say John or Jill or whoever it is at home has that house. Um, are you saying that they can actually put no money in just like Carmen did? They can do that. And yeah. what would they need to have to be able to put no money in? So they just need to have enough equity in that secondary property in order to, uh, in conjunction with the property that they're purchasing, in order to make sure that our ratios are in line. Well, so our investors are safe on both exactly. ends, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're just, you're looking at, you know, how much, how much is the total value of both properties together and how, how much, much would you is in both properties? You know, it depends. Um, it's on a case by case basis. So we would just have to evaluate, uh, which traditionally we don't want to go beyond 90% loan to value. So okay. the value of the property. So in a really good area, you might lend a little higher. Uh, and then in, you know, more rural areas, you might be a little lower. That's correct. So what are we going to do to summarize the show? What are we going to tell people? Cause I think, okay. I think. People are crippled by fear of doing things and paying higher interest rates or stepping outside of the box. Well, and I think that that is, is, is how we should end this show by saying, guys, don't, 
you know, okay. don't be so concerned about the, the small stuff. Yeah. You know? So, um, you know, have a plan, have a vision for what you want to do. Be competitive with your offer. Utilize the private money. Um, you know, have a good relationship with a broker that I know yes. is one of your key strategies yes. in helping Loyalty. you to achieve your goals. Yeah. Um, don't sweat the small stuff and have a good team behind you that, you know, I mean, that's one of your key strategies as well. Yeah. You've got such a great team. Because I'm loyal to these people. I, I keep yeah. coming back. Well, Andrew, you're amazing. You're so full of information and we have to have you back. I think our guests would love to hear you again. That's it. Our 30 minutes are up. If you are interested in learning more about how you can create wealth in a property or, you know, you may be interested in looking to borrow towards your real estate goals, feel free to go to our website, profunds.ca, and we'd be more than happy to provide more information to you on how to get started. 30 minutes are up. Go create wealth. Any and all of the opinions expressed by guests on this program were theirs alone and did not necessarily reflect those of the network, the producers, or the host. Please consult a professional advisor before making any investment decisions.